Today, we speak to the new leader of New Hampshire Manufacturing Extension Partnership about how manufacturers are meeting those challenges and what the New Hampshire MEP and other resources in the state are doing to assist this critical economic sector. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Is your favorite holiday around the corner? Oh, yes. The mothership <laughs> is calling me home. We're in my month of October. I'm a big Christmas fan, but I love the freak flag that I get to fly at yeah. Halloween. Yeah. I'm ready for the trick-or-treaters to come. All of it. Bring oh my it on. God. Oh, my God. I just want to be um, the little T-Rex, the blow-up T-Rex. That's all oh. I want to be. Best costume ever. Because I'm disproportionate <laughs> to be like the sp- you know, adult Spider-Man. Not happening ever. My son really is like, he's, he's seven. So he's like got no you know fat on his body and he's this tiny little dude. And I'm like, you be Spider-Man for as long as you want in that spandex suit. I am not pouring myself into that. So I will be the blow up, the blow up T-Rex. That's it. Love That's it. all I have for options. That or like, I don't know, Darth Vader or something because I'm covered in a sheet, you know, or something crazy like that. But that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm always what... <laughs> What, what, what's the heavy set person and culture that I can go as this time? So, oh my you God. know, I have, uh, my favorite was the penguin. It's the only, oh. he's my, my shape and I, I could pull it off. It was really great. Oh, uh, I went as uh, Richard Simmons after the eating binge. Uh, so. God. <laughs> You are so funny. I'm getting creative with it. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I'm not sure it. what this year will bring. I just know that finally, last year was the first year we were in a house. Before that, we were in, in a dead end street. You mm. had to cross a busy street. Goes. Yeah, we never got trick or treaters. Right, right. Which was just heartbreaking for me. This year, when we're in a neighborhood, people come in from all over to go trick or treating around there. I, my kids are old enough that, you know, my wife takes them out now and they do the, the trick or treating, but they don't, it, it's not what it used to be. So yeah. I get to stay home and see all the cool costumes oh and hand out the treats. I'm all oh ready for it. See, we're, we're like in one of the few neighborhoods, like actual neighborhoods of multiple streets in our area. So all these people come to our neighborhood that don't live there, which is fine. Um, but then we go out and we're like a couple of houses from the end of the road. So there's, and there's a bunch of folks around us that don't have their lights on or hand out candy. So we sort of get missed. So this year my wife's like, we are not putting out candy this year and we're just going to like go do our thing. One year, somebody stole the pot that I put all the candy in. We left it on the front step and, <laughs> I came home and I swear to God, I was like, oh, someone, you know, some little bugger from around the corner must have like, you know, taken all the candy and then thrown the pot down the He's bank like, Wait, or something. This is bigger than the bag I had. Yeah, no. I'm trick or treating with this. Stole my stainless steel stock pot. So we don't, we, we just buy some little cruddy thing now, like some either plastic thing or just, I don't know, some like bag or junk thing and just leave that out on the steps so nobody steals my cookware anymore. Now, I'm not bitter at all, though. So no, fine. not no, at all. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. We need to get off of this or we out do. of this rabbit hole because this is essentially has nothing to do with this fantastic conversation we oh, are going to have today. I have a tortured Wait. transition for us. Oh. Now that we've manufactured excitement about Halloween, Ooh. let's talk about manufacturing God, I feel like in we New should Hampshire. Edit out, edit out everything I just said and just put that in, whether we do or not. <laughs> that's okay. 
But our guest this week is the newest president and CEO of the New Hampshire Manufacturing Extension Program, Tony Fernandez. Tony has spent over 45 years in the manufacturing sector, originally starting his career in the financial arena. Tony transitioned into operations and has held the position of general manager, president, CEO, For the past 25 years, as a staunch advocate for manufacturing, Tony has served in regional boards in Wisconsin, Florida, Massachusetts, developing training programs and public partnerships. He is a certified Six Sigma Green Belt, a certified business mentor, and has successfully championed three ISO implementations. And we're going to find out what all of that is and means uh, very, very soon. But Tony, welcome. And uh, sorry that you, we had to put you through the Halloween banter, as it were. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's our pleasure. It really is our pleasure. So first things first, I dug up a couple of stats to start us off about manufacturing in New Hampshire. Manufacturing in New Hampshire, I read, accounts for over 11% of outputs, employs over 10% of the workforce, and generates over $10 billion in revenue. That's no small piece of the pie in my eyes. So to that end, knowing the impact that manufacturing has here in New Hampshire, what role does the NHMEP play in the continued success of these businesses? Well, the biggest role that we play is we support. Mm-hmm. And when I say we support it, the numbers that you have might actually be light. Mm. Uh, some like of the that. numbers some okay. of the numbers we see are closer than the 20s nice. uh, for manufacturing. And one of the things that uh, you know the MEP does, we had a conversation with one of our uh, manufacturers this morning. Uh, they have an understanding of how the business goes. When I say business, the manufacturing. What we're trying to do in today's manufacturing world mm-hmm. is to not only look at the manufacturing process, but look at sustainability and profitability. Sure. Uh, we're global. We're living in a global economy. Uh, the manufacturers that we have today are not only competing with the guy down the street; they're t- competing with the uh, the person in China, uh, the person uh, you know. All across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So what we try to do from an educational standpoint is work through the process itself. And again, everything in life is a process, but manufacturing is, is totally a process. <laughs> <laughs> it's one, two, three, goal. One, two, three, goal type of a process mm. that you're going to work with. So when we're, when we're talking with these manufacturers, we want them to uh, we, we want to understand what their goals are first and how we could help them achieve their goals. And, uh, you know, goals are, are different for every person. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people want to rule the world. Other people just want to make a couple of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a breadth of the industry out there. And, uh, and, you know, I do want to touch on that. You know, when we're talking about manufacturing New Hampshire, what we're talking about. Um, I think, you know, people have certain images that come to mind, but I mean, our manufacturers run the gamut. We have biotech, uh, an army that's producing, uh, you know, or or trying to produce organs, uh, all the way to people who make, you know, widgets for specific uh, and specific parts for things. Am I mistaken, though, that a, a big part of our manufacturing in New Hampshire falls within that contract manufacturing, that folks who make the parts that go into other uh, devices that are being manufactured. You know, you're, uh, you're, the the manufacturing that I see here, uh, and again, uh, I'm pretty new to the New Hampshire manufacturing, but I'm not new to the New England manufacturing. Mm. Uh, what we have here in New Hampshire is, is more of the precision manufacturing, mm-hmm. which is components, what you're talking about. Uh, a lot of the manufacturers support 
the uh, defense industry as well as the components of the defense industry. So I talk about companies like Boeing, mm -hmm. uh, GE, the aerospace companies, like things like that. So you're right in saying, are they making the, the end product? No. Most of what they're doing right now is the innovative side of it. And one of the good things that you have, not only in here in New Hampshire, but out throughout New England, is uh, you have a lot of... Uh, a lot of industry, but you have a lot of education. Mm -hmm. And when you marry those two together, you get innovation. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're doing right here. So uh, you get the tech world in California. But here in the New England, uh, what we specialize, and aside from what you're talking about from the biotech, uh, primarily has been that machining and the high-tech manufacturing itself. Uh, the five-axis machinery, the, the engineering. I mean, we've got the greatest engineering schools in the world here, so we're, we're utilizing those components. What are some of the biggest challenges facing New Hampshire's manufacturers today? Uh, the biggest thing that we have is workforce. Uh, that is a real, real concern. It's, it, it's not only manufacturers. Uh, but more so in manufacturing because there's a stigma uh, going back, and you had mentioned before I've been in manufacturing for a long period of time. Manufacturing in the 70s was dirt on the floors, and you came to work with steel-toed shoes, and hopefully at the end of the day, uh, you had 10 digits and you left with 10 digits. And oh I gosh. do mean that. Uh, today's world is so much different. Uh, in most cases, if you go to a place like Army, uh, you're not only going to be able to eat off the floor, you probably could uh, cook and do whatever else. I mean, it's so clean <laughs> and those things. But a lot of the precision manufacturing uh, facilities that we have out there have that you know, uh, ability. So what it's opened it up to is not the burly, you know, uh, lumberjack type uh, uh, person who worked in manufacturing 30, 40 years ago. It's mm. anybody could work in manufacturing. Uh, you could be of a small frame, you could be female, you could be a young person, you can be an older person. And really, that's what we're looking for right now. The challenge that we have in manufacturing is, is to understand is how, you know, the, the term inclusive is throughout society. Sure. But it's even more so in manufacturing. We'll take anybody. Yeah. And I do mean it from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, we can train you to the, obviously you have to want to work, but if you have a basic skill level uh, of desire and some mathematical uh, capabilities, and I'm not talking about high calculus, but you have to be able to work with angles and pro, you know uh, projections and things like that. But as far as the physicality of manufacturing, that has changed. Mm -hmm. Everything from the CNC operations, I mean, you could be a programmer, you could work on a CNC machine as an operator. Right. You could do design. Uh, there's so many different capabilities and possibilities out there, uh, and that's really what we're looking at. Well, and in the advancements in, in the um, technology that's used within the manufacturing facility as well, I spent a very short amount of time um, in a manufacturing sales job, and I spent some time on the floor, and they were making um, you know, pills and tablets and things like that. And you know, if there's a 50, 100-pound bag, a human wasn't picking that bag up. They have a device that can do that because now we know that if you're not picking that bag up three, four, or five times a day, you're going to sustain, as it were, uh, and you're so utilizing that technology. So um, I love that you're saying, you know, so in the inclusivity and really anybody can do this with some basic skills and then some training. Now, the question is, um, 
and or well, a general question, I guess, is uh, in terms of training, are there opportunities that the MEP has that you provide training or um, outside of obviously the, the manufacturer specific, but are there opportunities that you would then provide professional development to members per se? Uh, the MEP works on a two-pronged process itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both provide training and we aid in the training. So from a workforce development standpoint, we're doing basic training for manufacturing. And one of the key things is etiquette. How do you operate? Uh, How do you you show up to work every day? You know, how do you uh, interact with people? So that's, that's a you know, a social skill that sure. we're trying to prefer. The second thing that we're trying to do is we're working within the uh, the CNC. We're trying to uh, provide uh, programming uh, knowledge, uh, informational light skills that will allow you to enter into the manufacturing field. Mm-hmm. And then from that process, the, uh, the business owner, the company itself can take you and work from that. This, the other thing that we do is we provide training for the people who are in the environment itself. So we're taking you from level B to C D and so forth. Sure. But primarily what we do mm-hmm. is the entry level to get you ready to get into that manufacturing environment. Yeah. And then once you're in the manufacturing environment, we provide either from a uh, MEP employee or a third party. Uh, a lot of what we do is we contract consultants and trainers out there who have the specialized skills. Oh, interesting. A um, uh, uh, real quick question before we move on to other stuff, too. But in your bio, we mentioned that you were certified Six, six Sigma Green Belt. Um, is that uh, – what is that certification? Is that some sort of training as well or – the, the term Six Sigma is waste elimination. That's basically what you're doing. Mm. So in manufacturing, as I said before, it's a process itself. There's so many different things. One of the things that I do uh, aside is from my day job <laughs> is I teach in the MBA program in, in college. Uh, so from a manufacturing standpoint, what, what you're trying to do, whether it be Six Sigma or if you're teaching theory of constraints or lean, it's the process mm. itself. Okay. Uh, a lot of what we've done in manufacturing over the past 20 or 30 years has been an adaptation of original processes that were moved to Japan. They changed the name, and they came back and said they repackaged it as a lean-type process. So uh, uh, the MEP has specialists. If you want to uh, be in uh, this, I just had a conversation right before I left. Uh, We're having a, uh, there's a company that is doing uh, 5S training, which is now basically evolved into 6S training, which is basically just making sure that everything is in the proper place. So that if you're running a manufacturing, where's that, where's the screwdriver, Uh where's that? You're just training people that this is here, this is here, this is here. Similar to your operation. Uh, Again, it's a process-based industry. Uh, if you can basically take your process, and we talk use double with the word lean, but if mm-hmm. you can make it more efficient, that's all you want to do. You want to say, you know, in athletics, bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> well, in manufacturing, it's the same thing. You, what you want to do is you want to make it cheaper and faster, mm-hmm. cheaper and faster. Mm-hmm. Before we go any further, for our listeners who may not be involved in manufacturing, can you explain what CNC is? Uh, computer numerical control. So basically, it's as I said before, the, the digitizing of the process. So if you look at anything that we have here, uh, if you want to take it from the three-dimensional, you want to bring it into the digital form, you're going to come up with a, whether it be a blueprint or a diagram, and they, they, the uh, CNC or the CAD, you're going to do a, um, whether it be a SolidWorks or any type of a, a drawing that you have, you're, you're basically putting your points. So then if you're going into the, uh, the controls, 
you're, you're in sheet metal, for example, you start with a flat. So the flat will be from the uh, CNC operation. You're going to make the uh, uh, the basic flat portion. Then you're going to go into the bending operation, things. Like that. But again, it's all based, uh, again, on the numerical or the... Uh, um, the math of the bendings and the points itself. Everything in life or that you have is based on uh, the process of math. And CNC operators are really in demand. Can you talk about you know that portion of the workforce, what kind of shortages we may be seeing there, and what kind of training is available? Um, the, the shortage is... Ba- well, let me just start back this. One of the problems that you have is we in manufacturing, as well as people in education, have to, uh, and I say education because I do it, like I said, from the, uh, the college level, people today learn a lot different as comparative that they did 10 or 15 years ago. Mm. Everything today, uh, most people are visual learners. So what, uh, if I do it in a scholastic environment or if I do it in a manufacturing environment, what we have to do is we have to be visual. We have to show things. The minute you open up a uh, textbook or anything like that, you lose the interest itself. Because most people, again, with the cell phones and the people, you know, the workforce, um, the, the attention span is much shorter. It doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's less, but we have to be able to give you results within 15 to 20 seconds. So if we're showing you how to do this, we're showing you that. So our training processes that we work on, and in, in the case of the MEP section, uh, what we were able to do is we found a manufacturer out there who did a tabletop CNC unit. We gave we give our uh, students or the trainees a laptop. We work through the basic process of we can make a uh, uh, almost uh, like a, a kid would make a small toy or a box or things like that. We'll put a piece of foam out there. We'll do the uh, com- uh, put the coordinates out, and it would route out whether uh, a a simple figure or whatever. So you could start to see that. And again, it's what we talked about before. It's just the introductory. Now, the skill level or what training do you need? In some cases, it's more the the adaptability, the aptitude. Uh, you know, one of the things that you find out in manufacturing or even in life that I found out, as I said, I teach in the MBA program and uh, we just had a, I go three semesters. So we do fall, spring, summer. And I just had a student who uh, wanted to start a business and they did this presentation that knocked me out. The content wasn't that great, but the ability for you to do this presentation it was just amazing that you should be in manufacturing doing, you know, digitizing processes because ah. it was a skill level. It was almost like music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something like that, that in some cases that you can treat, teach a person to play an instrument, but some of them just within 10 or 15 minutes pick it up. And that's what the case level that you really want to have in manufacturing. And while you're new to New Hampshire MEP, um, can you give it a little bit of a history of how long the organization's about and how it fits into a larger network of manufacturing extension partnerships across the country? Sure. Well, uh, I am new to the New Hampshire, um, but I've been involved with the MEP process for over 20 years. I first was introduced to it in Wisconsin, and they helped me out tremendously for the company, my first uh, company that I led. And then here, uh, I purchased a company in Massachusetts, and it was the same uh, process. What the MEP uh, organization, the way it basically works, it's part of the Commerce Department. There are 51 uh, MEPs throughout the United States, so all 50 states in Puerto Rico. And the intent is basically, as I said before, to help 
manufacturers. Now, every state is different, so every charter is a little bit different. If you go into uh, an area like New Jersey, which is highly dense, uh, you're going to have a lot more people, a lot more funding, things of that aspect. You go into Vermont and you stay into New Hampshire, they're much more smooth, uh, smaller operations and what they're, uh, it's more hands-on, more touching the operation. You go to a state like Wisconsin, which is, uh, or the Rust Belt f- from uh, uh, Indiana, uh, Iowa, things like that, where you have the big companies, the John Deere's, the um, Harley Davids. Their manu- their MEP model is much different because in their model, it's the big, it's the companies helping companies. So it's dependent, just like everything else. the uh, The idea is to help people. It's the regionality of the United States. It's how does it fit, uh, depending upon that. But again, it's run through the Commerce Department. The initial grants are uh, the, the funding comes through the Commerce Department, and then every state works within that. Um, unfortunately, the state of New Hampshire is one of the few states, if not the only state, uh, that does not receive state funding. Uh, but most states uh, also, you know, run within that component itself. What we do in, in order to generate the extra dollars. Uh, is from our, you know, our business side of it itself. Uh, we do our outside consulting and things like that. And independent upon how much you raise is how much you could help. So I'm interested in talking to you. You've been on both sides of the MEP equation. Right. Can you talk about your days as leading manufacturing operations? And how did the MEP in those states help you move those businesses forward? What were the type of services that you were able to tap into? Okay. You had mentioned before ISO. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. is ISO? Mm-hmm. Uh, ISO started years ago, and, and for the layman's terms, it's basically a set of rules that you put in place. Mm-hmm. So every, again, for you have processes and you would have rules. So back in 1990, I was leading a company here in uh, Massachusetts, and we wanted to uh, get involved in more high-tech manufacturing. Uh, we wanted to work with people like Johnson Controls and the military um, uh, you know, defense manufacturers. In order to do that, you have to have processes that you could validate. Mm-hmm. And the cost of everything that you would, in order to do that, uh, you, needed some proce- you needed some procedure that showed that you did the same thing every time, over and over and over and over, so that the uh, reliability was there. So the ISO process basically does that. So when I started, uh, when I took over my first president's job in Wisconsin, uh, we had a company that we wanted to go to the next level. We didn't have our ISO certification. The MEP comes in, just like what we would be able to do here in the state of New Hampshire. And through the training process, they will go through and work through the ISO certification and the training. So you'll be certified, which will allow you to now go to a a higher level supplier so that if I'm manufacturing eyeglasses or anything, uh, they know that the product that you that they're getting is going to be the same. That when they uh, pick up piece number one mm-hmm. and piece number fifty-seven out of the box, they're the same. That's what the ice. And how do you do that? It's the same thing. You have your documentation. Whether it's right or wrong, that's not really the concern at this point. <laughs> it's that there. So that's what the MEP does. Then once you have that ISO certificate, just like everything else, it's the building part. You go to lean training. You go to different things. So as an uh, as an MEP. What they did in the Midwest is they worked with the, uh, the companies like John Deere because you were working primarily with interstate, I guess is the best way you would say. Sure, yeah. So were you asked that question before, were, were uh, New Hampshire manufacturers, are they making components? Well, they're going all over the world. 
what we were doing 20 years ago. We were making components for John Deere or for Kubota or things like that. So it was interstate manufacture. Everything mm -hmm. was in that. So uh, the, their MEP was very concerned about that. When I, uh, years later, I bought a company here in Massachusetts, it's the same process. You go through, you get your ISO certification, your lean certification, and we start to open it up to more because now we're doing more precision manufacturing. We're working for the Collins or developing processes for Collins Aerospace, for Raytheon and things like that. So within that, it's, it's the training and the, pro the, again, I keep on using that word process. It's the training and the process that yeah. keeps on going. So the MEP supports. Right. Well, and you're right to use the word process because it wouldn't have manufacturing without mm -hmm. process, right? right. <laughs> um, let's, uh, as we were touching a little bit about, you know, on, on your career path, um, did you... As, as a young person, did you grow up in New Hampshire, New England, Massachusetts? Where'd you uh, grow up? I grew up in the, the great state of New Jersey. Ah, <laughs> hence the reference earlier to New Jersey. I thought there was something up there, but okay. Uh, All right. So um, how did, uh, what was growing up in New Jersey for you and how did this get you on, well, what was at first a financial uh, career path, right? Well, uh, I... I went to again. I, uh, I I'm an older gentleman. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we don't. We, we, nobody needs to know that, Tony. Nobody needs to know that. And uh, so, uh, going to school, I went through a parochial school uh -huh. education, and from parochial school, I went to a prep school, which was also a parochial school, mm -hmm. uh, which was highly scholastic. Uh, it was one of these things where 99.9 percent graduate uh, and go to college, and that yes. was the career path that you took. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, most of, and the reason that you did that is in the New Jersey area, most of the people, most of the moms and dads were blue-collar workers mm. coming out of World War II, so they wanted their sons and daughters uh, something better. So you went through that process. And at the time, uh, just adaptability. You know, you, math, uh, financials, it kind of worked with me, so yeah. I stayed within that realm. Um, but uh, after I graduated, I went to graduate school, uh, got my MBA, and from that aspect, I started working in a financial area and in manufacturing. And it's when you put those two pieces together, that's where I started to say, well, the numbers are great, but I want to see where their numbers are going. Interesting. And I go back to the days before uh, you know, the, the basic... Uh, computerized spreadsheet. I'm Visical Lotus, uh, <laughs> that type thing. So that's really where I started. To, well, we're going to make that. Now I'm going to figure out how much it costs. Now I want to see how it's made. Ah, uh, sure. Now I yeah. know how much it costs. Now I this. I want to see how we make it cheaper. Uh, so the the one good thing again from the educational system um, that I had, it, even though when you talk finance. The finance that I learned was no different than the engineering basis that mm. you had. Because uh, today's world and uh, with um, uh, the way that the education system is, uh, and you have to get uh, you know, the MBA, you have to get the doctorate, you have to do different things. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say that they've watered down it, but basically what, what has happened is part of the education were the amount of credits and the amount of time. Mm. And for my background, uh, we spent a lot of time within the numbers itself, the calculus, advanced calculus, and that allowed me to, to, to basically transition a hell of a lot easier as comparative to just you know, from finance. Yeah, it's some transferable skills for sure, so interesting. So new leadership often brings an opportunity to reinvigorate a organization. Uh, can you talk about what you're doing to raise the profile of the New Hampshire MEP and its services among both manufacturers and resource partners? 
I think the most important thing that I'm trying to do is get people to talk to each other. Uh, and that is a real, real problem in manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, manufacturing is a, I'm going to use an old word, a cloistered inventory. <laughs> I love that. Cloistered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody wants to tell you their secrets. Everybody thinks that they you know, have the most high tech. Uh, and it has worked for you know, hundreds of years. But the problem that you have is the world has changed so fast. Mm. And yep. uh, it, it becomes a teamwork aspect. And if you go back to being a manufacturer for the past 20 or 30 years, one of the reasons that manufacturing has left the area and gone you know, to Asia, th- third world countries, whatever you want to call them, is basically because manufacturers haven't talked to each other. They have been, you know, they've let the work walk away. Mm. Uh, as I said before in the conversation, you know, we have some of the brightest minds in the world here in the New England area. Um, if you work for one company and somebody else is working for another company, uh, if you're able to share that information the two companies are going to do a heck of a lot better together. Uh, because, as we said before, we're making similar components for a, a similar manufacturer. So one of the things that uh, we're trying to do, we're, we have in the next couple of weeks, so and I'm going to promote it. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. A, uh, a manufacturing summit, uh, October 27th. and that's October some, is Manufacturing Month, correct? All right, uh, Manufacturing nice. Month. We're going to highlight that. And uh, the summits in the past have been uh, pretty the, the, highlighting the processes. What we're going to try to do this year is we're going to try to do more of a networking operation. Uh, the people that uh, I've been able to talk with and the people that I've been able to touch uh, here in New Hampshire, uh, we're, we're looking at getting similar manufacturers who may manufacture parts of the same component together mm-hmm. and say, hey, I do this part, you do that part. Maybe we should talk to each other. You know, because if we talk to each other, we're not competitors, but we're partners. If we could get this a little bit better and you could get this a little bit better, you know what? We could put these two parts and sell it to person number three. Mm. And that's really – because what I'm finding uh, from the basis uh, of New Hampshire as well as all of New England manufacturing, there is a skill level that you don't have comparative. I've worked in the South. I've worked in the Midwest. And I've worked here in the Northeast. And everybody, every region has their uh, specific uh, abilities and skills and so mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. But here from the position, because we work, everything's here is in the, uh, the Northeast. You have the defense industry. You have the aerospace industry. They require such precision. They require so, you know, the, the tolerances. If people here who have a certain ability or skill can be able to work with another company itself and marry those two skills together, it's just going to strengthen the region. It's going to strengthen the company. And the goal that you know I personally have, and hopefully most of the manufacturers have, is sustainability. If you do that, you can sustain. Yeah, well, and that's what I was thinking. As you were saying that, that's what I was thinking in the sense that even if they're making a different part, um, there's a lot more to the operation, uh, as it were, on the back end uh, that is less about that part and more about the the operation itself. So looking at, like, say, the healthcare model where uh, different hospitals will be under a, an umbrella that may share resources, right? So there's the opportunity to share resources, share knowledge, share uh, many things that really could lift up the entire industry and therefore the state, yeah? Well, it goes back to when I said in the Midwest. In the Midwest, because if you have a, again, it's interstate um, process where four or five companies are making products for one specific larger company, uh, it behooves them 
to have the information uh, because if they're pushing that information to the, to the larger company, they're going to make more uh, good parts. They're going to sell more. Everybody is going to gain by 10%. Mm. Everybody's going to gain by 20%. Mm-hmm. If you're just like anything else, if you're going to be uh, have a negative attitude or anything, you can start to pull it away. Mm. Everybody's going to f- fall from that standpoint. True, true. How do you work with other resource partners in the state? Well, this is something that I personally, again, are, are, are championing. Uh, we have a lot of uh, available, the availability of a lot of partnerships. Let's just go from the federal side. We have the SBA and an SBDC. Uh, small Business Administration and the Small Business Development Center. Right. Uh, as I said, within the summit itself, uh, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to highlight that, that their skill level and the relationship. Now, uh, from a support staff or from a support, we're working with the SBDC because they provide uh, financial support. When I say financial uh, education, things like that. If you need loans, you need to come up with a business plan, things like that. Uh, we could work hand-in-hand, the SBA, obviously, within the loan process itself. We have uh, the BEA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BEA is a, is a great partner to have. They have the economic development. Uh, within that group itself, uh, there's referrals. We could help them. Uh, we're working on the supply chain problem. Uh, situation right now with them directly. There's the BIA, you know, uh, Business and Industry Association, right? yeah. where the BEA was the state <laughs> business and economic <laughs> administration. Sure, if yeah. I got my alphabet soup down. Yeah. Too many acronyms. I go back and so forth many. here. Not only are there their manufacturing acronyms, then there's all the New Hampshire acronyms. Yeah. So, so BEA, the Business and Economic Affairs uh, Department, and then the Business and Industry Association, which is probably also uh, a great resource for you in terms of connecting everybody because. Well, that's- I, they started out, I believe, years ago as a manufacturing organization or, or to exactly. promote manufacturing. So Lord knows there's roots there, too. And, and that's it. It goes back to what we talked about. You know, with the pro- But the networking is talk to people, find out what mm-hmm. they need. And to be honest, all three of them have been so helpful over the past you know, a couple of months or so. They're introducing to people. Um, they go in and talk to a, um, a manufacturer, and that manufacturer has a problem. And on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, I'm getting three emails from three, three different service areas organization, whether it be SBD, SBDC, BIA, BIA, <laughs> whatever out there, about, hey, I was just at this manufacturing company, and they need this. Can you help them? Mm-hmm. I was just at this, you know, spoke to this person who works in manufacturing. Can you help them? Nice. So basically from a resource standpoint, mm-hmm. if we all work together, and, and you know, from my standpoint, uh, the, the key goal is just helping people. And I think everybody across the, uh, the spectrum is looking for, for that. Everybody has their sweet spot. Our sweet spot that we have is primarily in manufacturing. Uh, there's business, you know, like I said, people who are involved in the, the etiquette of business and things like that. Uh, we will acquiesce from that, let them do what they have to do. Uh, but when they have a manufacturing question, but then again, at the same time, some of those business questions are tethered to manufacturing. When you're talking about, hey, should I do this or should I do that? Should I talk to those people? Uh, those are more specific in, into industry and manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, so uh, what I'm hearing is, you know, the more that you can be connected, the better uh, the better resource that you can be for anybody that's manufacturing, no matter it's a, if it's a, a tablet or a widget or anything in between. It's all about networking. If you're in this world today, it's, and I hate to use the old phrase, it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know, but in manufacturing business, it's it's who you know. Because Absolutely. if who you know, I mean, the what is, is so important too. 
but if you get the right person and they can direct you into the right direction, uh, you have a much better uh, chance for success. So I would say if you're a manufacturer in need of some uh, resources, some connecting, some some uh, help, uh, Tony's your guy. And the New Hampshire Manufacturing Extension Program is, is your organization. And again, Tony Fernandez is the president and CEO of the New Hampshire MEP, the Manufacturing Extension Program. Tony, it's been great to have you. Thank you for shedding some light on the industry and the organization itself and you. Thanks well, a lot. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, as I said before, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, we have uh, some good possibilities from the manufacturer side and from the support. And uh, the marriage of those two is going to uh, basically have some uh, very good success for the state of New Hampshire. Excellent. Well, we'll keep watching. Tony, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group. 